you have your Bible, why don't you turn me to John chapter 11. We're going to dive into this passage a little bit more today. John chapter 11. We're going to read out of verse 38 today. While you're turning there, why don't you stand to your feet in honor of God's word today? I know it's been three weeks, but you already know. I want to read a part of this scripture today. We're going to dive into this a little bit more. Um, John chapter 11, verses 38. It says this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been, been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God so that they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Then the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want to preach to you today from the title, and I want to challenge you today with this title, that miracles require movement. Miracles require movement. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. God, I thank you for what you've done today, but God, I... I only expect that you would exceed our expectations today. So God, I pray, Lord, that your word would be a lamp into our feet today, that it would be a light into our path. Lord, that you would speak to us in ways that maybe we haven't felt before. That you would wake us up. That you would call, on out, call us out and call us out of that grave today. So God, we, we lean on your word. We lean on who you are as we come to a deeper understanding of what you want to speak to us today. We love you, we praise you, we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Amen, you may be seated. Have you, have you ever had a time in your life where, where you called out to someone and you know that they heard you, but they chose not to respond? Anybody ever been there? Like, like you're, or you're trying to talk to someone and, and you know that they can hear you, but they act like they can't hear you? It's annoying. I, I tend to have, probably like many of you, have this problem with my kids. I even sometimes can have this problem with my wife. It can happen. She is deaf in her left ear, so I'll give her that, but I think she uses it to her advantage sometimes to pretend like she don't hear me. But when you call out, when I call out to them and, and nothing seems to happen, I don't get a response. I'm like, Chandler, Malachi, nothing. Fallon, nothing. Kendall, nothing. I call and I, I sometimes seem to get no response or, or maybe I, I get a response, but you ever, you know, you called out to somebody and you weren't wanting them to say what or something, you actually wanted them to come to you? Like, hey, you're like, they're like, what? Like, Hey, what? I want you to come here. 
I don't want you to say what. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? Like, you call your kids, and, and they, they, they say what, and you're like, you say what? You better say, sir. <laughs> you better have some manners and some respect. I don't care what your friends be saying to their parents. Mm-mm. We're going to have some respect in this house. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. But I call out, and, you know, they don't respond. I, I've recently even had this issue with, with my youngest daughter, my only daughter, Fallon, um, where I, I would call out to her name because what's happened is she started to get things that she knows she's not supposed to have, like scissors um, or, or, or something. Like she, she likes to go into my wallet and take all my credit cards out or take all my cash and, and take my keys. And I had to walk to church today because I don't even know where my car is. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't walk to church today. But seriously, like, you know, you're hunting down the house to find that thing all the time because she has things, she's moving things, and, and you can't find anything in the house. And what I will find is I will go to call her name or she'll be doing something she's not supposed to do and she will not respond because she knows she's going to get in trouble. But I call out and, and there's no response. As I begin to revisit this story in John chapter 11, it made me think of how many times in life Jesus has called, to out, called out to us, but we have failed to move as a response. But I'm here to tell you today that miracles require movement. Now, a few weeks ago, I dove into this story in John chapter 11, where we saw the encounter that Mary and Martha have and, and with, with Jesus and their brother Lazarus, who had become sick. And so Mary and Martha had sent out requests to Jesus because their brother had, had been extremely sick. And, and we learned how, how Jesus oftentimes doesn't show up when we expect him to. Specifically how we learned how Jesus isn't, in our eyes, always on time, at least when we expect him to be. But rather how Jesus will often show up past the point of our expectation so he can reveal his glory in a way that we have yet to experience. And, and, and there's a big difference between God's job and our job. We learned a few weeks ago that, that God's job is the outcome. His job is the miracle, but our job is responding and trusting in the process. And that's hard to do. So as you, as you study this passage in John chapter 11, I, 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 you really, to understand the magnitude of what's going on, you're gonna have to go back a few weeks ago and listen to that sermon because I don't have time to break that all down today. But a part that we didn't get to that I really wanna move into today and dive into more is that the moment that Jesus steps onto the scene at the tomb and he interacts with Lazarus, the dead man, there's something that takes place that is revealing to the process and the way that Jesus works. But it's also just as revealing to the process in which we are to respond. As you study the scriptures, you will see that when Jesus plays out his, his, his life in scripture through, through the miracles that he's performing and the interactions he's having with people, that every miracle that Jesus performs, there is an expected response from the person who is in need of the miracle. That in order for the miracle to, to happen, that there is something that they had to respond to, there was an action that was required, something that they needed to do. When Jesus speaks, in other words, when Jesus moves, he expects us to respond. And every miracle that takes place is in response to someone's faith. 
having faith to believe for something that is yet to be seen. I mean, from, from the blind man to the leper, from the women of the issue of blood to the sick child, from the lame man to Lazarus, every miracle required movement. And although this sounds very simple, that this is possible to be done, the, the truth is we don't do this very well. Because oftentimes when Jesus speaks to us, we have an issue, just like our kids do with us, with responding. Why? Because we disagree. We think that it's taking way too long. We think that this isn't the way that it should be played out, that, that, that something else should be happening, that, that I'm afraid of what might happen, or, or we even feel that we don't even deserve it. And instead of responding with faith, we choose to stay in a tomb, in a comatose state, and in return, we never see the miracle that God has already made available to us, but yet we don't have the faith to move in order to receive it. Let me just say this. It's God's miracle to give, but it's ours to manage it. The problem is we want Jesus to come into the tomb and pick us up and take off the grave clothes for us. We want Jesus to come in and we expect when we pray for a miracle, God, I'm believing for a miracle. We pray for all this thing. We want God to do all the work. <laughs> yeah, I know it's getting quiet in here. Y'all like, yep, I've been praying that. But we want him to come into the tomb. We want him to help pick us up and, and sit us up and take off the grave clothes. We want him to do all the work. We don't want to have to do anything. We want to lay there because, God, I'm tired and I've been going through all this stuff and all the, and God, I just need you to do everything because I can't do it for myself. And, and we don't want to participate. We want this patty cake Jesus to come in us out with our miracle. God, I believe it for my finances to be healed. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. But we do absolutely nothing to learn how to get out of debt or, or to take that financial course. We don't go to FPU, Financial Peace University that our church provides every beginning of the year. We don't do that. And we expect God to, to deliver us from debt when he's like, you got yourself there and I'll help you get out, but you're going to have to have an action. God, I'm believing for restoration in my marriage. Lord, help her. <laughs> help him. I need a miracle. But days pass by, and there's no effort on your part. There's no books that you're reading. There's no counseling being done. You can't swallow your pride enough to go. Yeah. We're expecting God to step in and do all the work for the miracle that we're supposed to have a part in. Isn't it crazy how we do this? We do it. I know it, it, it gets real when it gets quiet. That means I'm really hitting something. And I'm okay with that. You don't have to respond. I'm watching your face. Your eyes are this big because you know. And I know that you know that I know that. What you, mm -hmm. But we'll pray out to God. God, I'm believing. God, I need you to take me from this loneliness. God, I'm, 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 I'm alone and I'm lonely and I need a miracle. But we sit at home in isolation in a tomb when we need to go out and be a friend to somebody and we will find hope in something that we didn't realize was there. You see, I've even talked to people even recently where they have said, I have no friends. Nobody sees me. I've gone out and I've been trying to find friends and I cannot find a friend anywhere. But let me tell you something. Instead of going out looking for a friend, why don't you go out and be a friend? Because if you're going to look out for a friend, you're not really going to probably find one. But if you go out to be a friend, guess what? Friends are everywhere. They're everywhere. 
That's why we encourage you, get in a small group, serve on the dream team, get connected in the local church. Why? Because you need to be in relationships with people who, let me just say this, who have higher standards than you do so you can grow and go to the next level in your life. Let me just say this. Stop trying to be friends with just anybody who will accept you. Too many times, we're, we, we are so desperate for a friend that we'll be friends with anybody and we'll go to the, 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 the extent of lowering our standards and have no values and we wonder why we're all sad and depressed all the time. It's because we're not in relationship with people that are calling us higher. We're walking around just willing to, whoever will accept us, whoever, whatever group will allow us to come in. And we will change our belief. We will change our standard. We will change everything we believe. Why? Because we found acceptance from someone who doesn't believe what we believe, but yet we need it so desperate. But I'm here to tell you that God wants so much more for you, and there is the right people, and they are within your reach. All you're going to have to do is put a little bit of effort into it and go out and be a friend and get connected. And guess what? God will provide the friendships and the relationships you need to take you where he's trying to get you. But you're going to have to have a response. You're going to have to move. Because here's the thing. God knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. He knows the highs and the lows. He knows the mountains and the valleys. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And he designed this life with you in mind. And he chose he chose to, to create this earth with you in mind. And, and when we choose to not live by his standards and we choose not to live by his word, we can guarantee that our life will not be fulfilled. If we don't follow the manual, the Bible that, that God has given us to live our life, it, it would be as crazy as standing, this is how we do this sometimes, like this is how we live life. It'd be crazy as if like standing in front of your vehicle, but you've got your microwave manual trying to figure out how to make your car work. And how, how stupid that sounds, that's how we try to live life. We try to tra take the world's manual and try to live our life when it is not even the correct manual. And we're like, why don't this work? I push that button and it don't, don't work because it ain't the right manual. But I believe it's time that we pick up the right manual in your life and start living according to God's word. And when you do, you will see, guess what? His miracle working power in your life because when you follow his playbook, you will see his results. So we ask God for a miracle, but when he sends out his word, when he, when he sends out his miracle in our life, oftentimes we don't play our part in it. We sit there with our hands out waiting to receive, but God's waiting for us to do something in order to receive it. I mean, have you ever been into, like you walked into a bathroom and, and you've gone into a place of business or a restroom or some kind of place and you go to wash your hands and you expect the water to come out, but, but you're there and you're like, it's like you're talking sign language to the sink. Like you, you're just like, I need something to happen. But then you come to realize it's not an automatic faucet. You ever look that dumb in a restroom? Somebody like, he need help. Yeah, you do. You're sitting here doing all this and you, you realize it's not even an automatic faucet. And I wonder how many times in life we're standing with our hands out to God, expecting God to pour out a miracle on us. And God is saying, the miracle is there. The miracle is there. There's not a problem with the miracle. And I want to give it to you. 
but there's something you have to do to participate in. You've got to open the valve for the miracle to flow. What valve are you missing today? God, I need your blessings. I need them. God, I want your favor. I need your peace. I need your joy. I'm trying to catch it. Where is it at? And God is saying, <laughs> what happened? I don't even know what happened. I don't even know what happened, y'all. I'm deaf up here. I can't hear nothing. And God is saying to you, everything I have is yours, but you're going to have to take action in order to receive it. You gotta take action. Tell your neighbor, it's time to move. It's time to move. So Jesus is standing at the entrance of the tomb and he calls out to Lazarus who was dead, okay? He is dead. He's been dead for four days. His physical body was, was dead, it was decayed, it, it, it was gone, so it is safe to say that his physical body wasn't able to respond. I want you to really understand what's happening here because Jesus calls out and he says, Lazarus, but, but Lazarus' physical body, his brain was not working, his heart was not pumping, his ears could not work. He could not hear the voice of God in his physical presence. But his spirit man heard the voice of God. And something you've got to understand is your physical body may not hear what God is saying, but your spirit man can. And I'm here to tell you today that some of you need to wake up your spirit man to respond to the call of God on your life and respond to the miracle that God is wanting to do through you and push aside your fleshly desires, your fleshly ways in order to receive and access all that God is trying to give you. But we get in the way of it. And we live in a world that is so desiring of pleasure in every form. When God is trying to do something in your life, he doesn't wanna to speak to your physical body, he wants to speak to your spirit man that he has put on the inside of you that will rise up and that will give you the strength you don't have. It will allow you to overcome your fleshly desires and when you do that and you allow him to speak to that, it will, you will receive the blessing that God intended for you to receive. This is why prayer and fasting is so important in your Christian walk. Why? Because it tells your body, I don't follow you, I follow the spirit man that God has put on the inside of me. If you've never fasted before, you need to, we'll help you. We're actually gonna be doing a fast at the beginning of the year so you can prepare for it. It'll be 21 days that we're gonna go as a church and I'm actually gonna be fasting the week leading up to our offering. Why? Because I'm expecting for God to do something and I don't want my body to be thinking logically. I want my spirit man to speak out of faith. And I hope you'll join me. This is why following God's word is so important because it's important to our faith that we understand what his word is saying. Because your flesh is weak. Your flesh will fail you. Your flesh has desires that only has its selfish purpose in mind. But it is time to wake up our spirit man, the thing that God has put on the inside of you that is God living in you, that, that will overcome every battle, that can overcome every blockage, that is standing in your way of your miracle. Your miracle requires movement. Can I get real for a minute? I mean, I already am. I guess I'll just keep going, but this is why I believe 
why so many people struggle with returning the tithe and being generous towards God. Because our, our flesh has a hard time with the logic of it. Because it doesn't make sense. Let's, let's be real. It doesn't make sense. Flesh and logic says when I give, I have less. When I give my time, when I get my money, when I get my resource, when I get my energy, when I give it, I, I'm depleting a tank. That's what logic says. That's what flesh says. God's word says when I give, I have more. That when I lay down my life, I will find it. That when my knees hit the ground, I will touch the sky. So when you align with God's word and you follow his commands and you are obedient to what he has called out to, I believe that many times our giving is the key to our breakthrough. That your giving is a response to the word that God has already spoken. He's got the miracle in the spout. You got your hands out, but there's something you got to do to open the valve. When you give, when you, when, when you sow, when you, when you invest, it is a seed being planted so that a harvest can be born. No farmer is going to go out to their field and not plant any seed and come out and say, well, um, where's my crops? You put crops in his yard. I know I saw him out there all season with that tractor and those little white things that he puts in the ground, but I'm waiting for my harvest. We expect to receive something we've never sowed into. We expect to see fruit of something that we have not put an effort into. A harvest can't be born without a seed sown. And God wants to deliver you the miracle, but it's ours to manage. It's our response. And for some of you, this is even why legacy season can make you somewhat uncomfortable. This is why when, when, when we get to the, we're gonna get real, when we get to the giving part of our worship experience, you find a way to slip out. You find a way to get distracted. Who is on social media today? Why? Please hear my heart because I've learned this as a child and I've seen God break through things in my life that I couldn't do in my own power, but only by the power of me sowing and investing and being generous and let's say, God, I want you to have my heart. And the reason why maybe this is a struggle, even hearing this, is because it's hitting you in a certain way in your life that maybe you've allowed to become an idol. And God is challenging you today to lay down money as your idol and trust him with what is already his to begin with. I'm, I'm having this, this morning, I was having the argument with my eight-year-old this morning about this very thing. He's not in my notes. I, I, he got some birthday money and I said, okay, he got like 80, 80 or $90, like $85, something like that with all his friends and, and, and grandparents and all things, okay? And I was like, okay, you, you need to make sure that you take out $8.50 for your tithe to give back to God. And he goes, that's a lot of money, Dad. And I said, I know, I know, but, but it's not yours to begin with. And he's like, but then I won't have I won't have any anymore. And I was like, you may not see it yet, but you're sowing a seed, son. 
So I gotta take this to church and give it to church? Yeah, yeah, why? Because it's already God's. And I would rather live blessed on the 90% than live unblessed with the 100, because I have to do what only I can do with that other 10. And so I said, I said, he had all this cash in his wallet. I said, only take $8.50, because I didn't want him losing it. I only take $8.50 and take it to church, and when the offering time comes, I want you to put it in there, because what you're doing is you're sowing a seed, and God wants to do a miracle, not just in you, but he wants to do it through your life. And what seems small, as an adult, that's $8.50. We'll go to Starbucks and spend that in a blink of an eye. But $8.50, what he doesn't realize is everything that was posted out on all those signs out there in the lobby, I hope you went by and saw that, that he is being, as, a, as an eight-year-old, he is setting up a legacy that he doesn't even realize for himself and his children and his children's children that lives are being changed. He don't even know it yet. But that's why it's my responsibility to teach him. Because why? Because I've been taught and I've seen God work. Because his word, his word states a promise that is yours, but it's your response will determine your blessing. Malachi 3.10 very clearly says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Not partial, not just tipping God. The full tithe into the storehouse that there may be Food in my house. What does that mean? That there may be a message that can be delivered that would be received and eaten into their spirit, man. That thereby put me to the test. You know, this is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me in this. Test me. Another place he says, you shall not test God. But this is the place where he says, test me says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. How many of you have needs today? How many of you would like to live from a place of no more need? So we stop there a lot of times, but why don't we read verse 11? Because I love this, what it continues to say. It says, he says, this is God, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So what I'm seeing is God provides the miracle but it's ours to manage it. Miracles require movement. They require action. And so as Jesus steps on the scene at this tomb, Speaking to something that has been dead for four days, Jesus calls out to Lazarus and he says, Lazarus, come out. But even though Lazarus was dead, even though Jesus called out, Lazarus had to respond. Are you, are you understanding? Lazarus had to, to move. He could no longer stay laying in this comatose state. He had to respond to what Christ was calling him to. He had to get up. He had to start moving. And my question to you today is this, what is God calling you to this year? What, what bold act of obedience is God asking for us? That word obedience is a hard word. What, what is God asking you to step out of and to step into? Because your movement is connected to your miracle. And God doesn't, God doesn't want to just bless you with a miracle. He actually wants to bless a miracle through you 
so that through you, someone else's miracle can be received. It's beyond us. And without Lazarus responding, without Lazarus moving, guess what? There would have been no miracle. And I believe if you want to see miracles happen in and through your life, you're going to be, have to be willing to move. If you want to be a part of a church that is seeing miracles take place, then we have to be willing to move. How many of you want to be a part of a church that is seeing miracles take place, that, that people are being healed and, and set free? I, I don't want to be the clog in the pipe when God is trying to do something and I stop it. I want to be the person that says, Lord, use me. You, Lord, take whatever you need. It's yours anyway. I want to be a conduit, not a reservoir. So when God speaks, he has my heart, so it's not a problem. I want to be able to step up when gaps need to be filled. I want to be obedient when God speaks and says, hey, I need this of you. And I want to be like, okay, God, without problem, without concern. So what move is God asking of you? What miracle is God waiting to give you, but is waiting on you to do something about it? Is it as simple as signing up for a leadership course to advance yourself? Is it to dive more into church life and, and get on the dream team and be a part? Is it to, to rise to that occasion in a leadership position that's been offered to you that you may be afraid to step into? Is it to invite your friends and, and coworkers and family to church? Is it to see the value of building God's church in a whole new way? What move is God asking of you? Is it to lead your family in a way that you haven't? To have faith to believe or something you don't see yet? Is it to begin a life of generosity by returning the tithe? Well, what is the move that God is asking of you? Because I wholeheartedly believe that last year, the year that we all don't want to remember, that last year was a year of preparation. It was a setup for what God is wanting to do in your life and in the life of his church and through the, 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 our faith that God is saying, I'm allowing all this to take place. Why? Because I'm getting ready to come on a white horse and show my glory in ways that this world has never seen, that they will call upon my name, that they will call forth the name of Jesus, and I'm going to be put on display for all to see and no one can deny. So let's, let's respond to what God for us this year in our worship and in our participation and with our honor and with generosity. Let's respond by honoring what God has entrusted us with. Let's respond by being contributors to this world, not just consumers. Let's respond by being a church that says, I'm not waiting on a move of God. I am the move of God. And if he's going to use anybody, he's going to use me. And if you're ready for God to do a miracle in your life, why don't you get on your feet and give him
the greatest miracle that have ever happened was all done for you and I. A miracle that we actually did nothing to deserve. And that's how God works. But in order to receive that miracle, we have to respond to it. And that miracle is the salvation in Jesus. That God sent his son to die on a cross for you. The Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition. He was given a crown of thorns as mockery. That he was spat on, that he was beaten, he was bruised for our transgressions. That he took the cup, scripture references the cup, which means the wrath of God, to be poured out in vengeance for all sin on humanity, that he took that cup for us so we wouldn't have to. And that miracle is available. But all we need to do to receive it is pray a prayer and accept it. That's our response. This simply means to, to, to give yourself to Jesus. To allow him to be Lord and leader of your life, to place your life ultimately in the hands of Christ. You see, Christianity is not about religion the do's and don'ts, but it's solely about a relationship with Jesus. Because when you're in relationship with him, he, he begins to work on you in ways you didn't even know was possible. And he has so much more for you. He has so much in store for you. He wants you to live a life of meaning. He wants you to live a life of purpose. He wants you to live a life full of, 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 of joy and, and laughter and fulfillment. But in order to receive it, we have to confess with our mouth. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is standing at your tomb today. And he's calling out to you. And he's giving you an opportunity to respond to his grace and his salvation that is freely given to you. You don't have to wave your hand underneath this automatic faucet and nothing come out. He says, just pour out your heart to me and I will give it to you as easily as that. That he's already done the miracle. You just have to receive it by praying a simple prayer. I love what the scripture says in James 4 that it says if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And the Bible tells us that when we pray a certain prayer that we will receive the free gift of salvation. Romans 10, 9 says that if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that Christ, he was raised from the dead, it says I will be saved. And so if you're in this room today or you're watching from the other side of a screen and you don't know Jesus yet, you've not prayed that prayer, you've not accepted him as Lord of your life, I want to pray that prayer with you today. With every eye closed, every head bowed in this room. If you're here today and you want to pray that prayer, that you want to give your life to Jesus today, maybe your life is in, in just chaos, maybe, maybe you, you're, you're finding yourself struggling in ways that you didn't, you didn't realize and you need Jesus, you're, you're, you've come to the realization that you're in need of Jesus. Then I want to pray a prayer with you today. But I want to know who I'm praying for. The Bible also tells us that if you acknowledge me, acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before the Father. And so today as an act of faith and as an act of a sign to accept Jesus with every eye closed, every head bowed. 
If that's you today, when I say three, as that sign of faith, I want you just to lift your hand high so I can know who I'm praying with today. If that's you, when I say three, lift it up. One, two, three. Just lift up your hand today. Lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. I see it all the way at the top. Thank you, Jesus. All the way down front, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift them high. Lift them high. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, God. You can put your hands down, and I want us to pray this prayer together. Where our ears can hear our voice. Let's make this confession today. Let's say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin and help me to live a new life in you. I place my faith in you. I place my hope in you. And I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Come on, church, why don't we celebrate with every single person that raised their hand today. Come on, church, let's make some noise.